So hypnodontics isn't just for patients. Many dentists are using it to reduce their stress levels and their anxieties too. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello, Patricia Rati. I'm Jazz Galati. Uh, welcome to this interference class, a non-clinical interruption today on hypnodontics, hypnosis in dentistry, and how you can apply it on Monday morning. I'm joined today by Jane Laline. Now, I hope you enjoyed that uh, previous occlusion episode that I did, the basics of occlusion. I've got basics of occlusion two coming up. I'm recording with Mahmoud Ibrahim tomorrow, and we're going to put together our philosophies to come up with something even more impactful, try and build on that first episode. We really just set the scene on why occlusion is confusing, why occlusion is both uh, um, perhaps overplayed at some points and when it might be super important. So if you haven't listened to Basics of Occlusion, go back one episode and listen to that one. But anyway, today is about hypnosis and dentistry and not like, not in a wishy-washy kind of way. Like I want you to be able to apply some techniques on Monday morning with your patients to get results. The kind of results I'm talking about is this, right? I am very used to now when I'm explaining risks to patients or once I've done, let's say, a, a deep restoration, I say to my patient, hey, you know what? You could get a severe throbbing ache uh, and if that happens that's a sign that the nerve is dying and that can be a very painful thing uh, it might be worse at night time if you get a spontaneous pain please give me a call take some painkillers this is very much a risk from this procedure right so I set them up in my mind what I was doing is I was uh, underselling and over delivering so that when they don't get that pain they think wow jazz is awesome so there's a benefit in that I guess so I guess I'm I'm happy with the way I've done things but Today, what Jane showed me, what she's going to share with you, is to think about it in a slightly different way. How can we use the power of hypnosis, which is basically like an altered state of the mind, to benefit you and benefit your clinical outcomes? Like, if you tell your patient, look, there are certain patients who are almost like easy to hypnotize. So if you tell them, look, you're going to get swelling, you're going to get pain, it'll be like this. And then they come back two days later saying, yeah, it's swollen and painful. And you're like, well, that's normal. But but they sort of, um, they made this like mind-body connection. They, they make themselves worse. They make themselves more sick. So equally, if you can sort of hypnotize people in a way, for want of a better word, put these people in an altered state of emotion, altered state of mind, then your clinical outcomes might be better. It might get less swelling, less dry sockets. It was just an interesting concept. And I want to share that with you today. So I hope you enjoy uh, what Jane Aline has to share in this interference cast. And I'll catch you in the outro. Jane Aline, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast proper. It's great to have you. We did a little bit about NLP last time, but that had some video issues. This is a much better platform. So I'm hoping you can give us a lot of value today. Uh, welcome. How are you? Okay. So what I'm going to talk about today is hypnodontics. And hypnotherapy is like the first cousin of NLP. They are so closely re related, and which is why I do both. And hypnodontics is a really, really exciting field. It's a specialist area of hypnotherapy. So in the same way that we may all have BDS or an equivalent and we're general dentists and dentists go into different areas of speciality or special interest. So I know yours is TMJ and splints and educating dentists. Hypnodontics is a specialist field of hypnotherapy where the therapist is dealing with and spending most of their time dealing with issues that are related somehow to dentistry. 
So that could be people that are anxious, people that are phobic. It could be people that have sleep issues, bruxism, anxiety, nail-biting, gag reflexes. Um, there are some therapists that, um, or some patients really, that don't like local and they don't like that feeling afterwards. And it's possible to use hypnotherapy so that we don't need to use local. And I know that many dentists were doing work overseas where they cannot get access to local anesthetics will use hypnotherapy so that they don't use any form of anesthesia. You can use hypnodontics to reduce or eliminate post-operative complications, post-op pain. Oh, the, the list is endless. Addictions, whether it's sugar or smoking. Yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. The more you get into it, and it's all about where the unconscious affects our present behaviors. So if there's something that's happened in the past, a trigger or our unconscious, our other than conscious, our subconscious, whatever you want to call it, is influencing how we are now, then hypnotherapy, hypnodontics, has the potential to improve it for patients and therefore dentists. So hypnodontics isn't just for patients. Many dentists are using it to reduce their stress levels and their anxieties too. Brilliant. Well, we had uh, Mike Gow on the podcast and he's someone who has um, been in a procedure where they placed implants without local anesthetic and, and that really whet the appetite of the protrusorati because they wanted to learn more about hypnodontics, which, I've, uh, which is why I've got you on today. Uh, I also want to just do a little introduction for you. Jane, you're someone who is a real leader. You know, I use that term uh, with purpose. You are a true leader in our profession. What you do uh, with, with your coaching with your positive influence is just sensational you're always helping dentists tell us about how you got into where you are now in life and um, uh, how your sort of careers molded over the over the last sort of uh, few decades so I suppose my career has molded over the first two decades is that I mean you can see all the books behind me you commented on them earlier they're an eclectic um, bunch of books and I'm just led by my interests and my possibilities, what is possible? And I just go down these rabbit holes and explore what is possible. So I know that there are some dentists that will go, do you know, it's absolutely impossible that you can place implants without local. And, and I suppose this comes out of my NLP is that it is this way of thinking that is, what happens if it is possible? I'm not saying it is, but what happens if it was? And then that sparks a curiosity and widens horizons and pushes out boundaries to say, what is possible? And then that's how I, I just end up doing what I'm doing, because I like to think that nothing is impossible. Amazing. And I think you've done a really good uh, introduction for, for hypnodontics. You, you describe exactly what it is. And, and although I might not need the hypnodontics, the whole area of hypnotherapy to help me stop nail biting uh, sounds amazing. So we did a little discussion earlier about um, should we finish this session today with uh, you carrying out some hypnodontics on me or hypnotherapy on me? And I said, maybe let's, uh, uh, I want to be very engaging for the audience and maybe that may not be appropriate, but I, I may actually book in a, a, a teaser with you 
afterwards you'll tell us how to do that how we can book in a, a trial session with you uh, to help me stop biting my nails so you've already uh, piqued my interest with that believe it or not more than anything uh, and now I just want to basically bring to surface exactly what we can learn from you over the next 20-25 minutes or so about how we can apply the theories or the fundamentals of hypnodontics so we can help our patients with all those things that you mentioned earlier so You've mentioned about what is hypnodontics. You've mentioned beautifully about what is the scope of it. What training do we need? Like, you, you know, you mentioned the analogy that general dentists and specialists, is there an official qualification you need to hold before we can practice hypnodontics? Yeah. Um, so hypnotherapy is a, um, a skill. It's a tool. It is a process that we need to learn how to do. And once you've understood the basic process, so there's some fairly elemental steps in taking a client in a hypnotherapy um, session that you need to learn them. And so you do not need to go to a specialist dental hypnotherapist training. You may choose to, but you don't have to. You just need to learn how to do hypnotherapy. And there's two general types of hypnotherapy. There's Ericksonian and the Elman. My experience is that El the Elman approach is much more suitable for dentistry because it's a much more directive, quick, fast, rapid or immediate induction process. Elman can take much longer to bring somebody down into that altered state of hypnosis and that's all hypnosis is is a whole altered state so there's nothing unusual about hypnosis it happens every single day so if you've ever been in your car and driven somewhere and suddenly realized you've lost half an hour that's because you were in an altered state of hypnosis if you spent several hours watching the tv and not remembered what you watched, or you've been in a film, and it's like you're so engaged in the film, it's like you're there. That's all hypnosis. This is a normal process. But you do need to learn how to do it so that we can lead patients in. So just find a hypnotherapist. So I'm happy to share people that I worked with. So my initial training was done with a guy called Michael Watson, who... Um, Phoenix Phoenix Services in America. Then there's Cheryl Elman that I'm doing quite a bit of work with at the moment. And she is the daughter-in-law of Dave Elman, who is the hypnotherapist that really specialized in training with dentists and doctors. Um, and he developed the rapid Elman techniques. Beryl Conmar, who works again very closely with Cheryl Elman, and then a girl called Sharon Wakash, and she's doing an awful lot of work with um, dentists as well. So whether you work with somebody like Mike, because I know Mike Gow does training programs, whether you choose to do your training with a dentist who is also a hypnotherapy trainer, or you just choose to do a hypnotherapy trainer that then you take on the imagination and the creativity to apply to your patients, the choice is yours. Yeah, so it's exciting, but you do need to get trained and you do need to be indemnified.
Certainly is. And what I want to know uh, next, Jane, is just leading on from, okay, we, we, someone who may be considering adding another string to their bow in terms of hypnodontics, because I can see the, the myriad of positive benefits to our patients and ourselves as practitioners by incorporating this. Is there much evidence now? And before, you know, I use that E word lightly because from the realms of TMD and occlusion, I can tell you now the quality of evidence is poor, but it doesn't mean that we can't help our patients. Is it similar with hypodontics that the quality of research isn't quite there yet? Or am I wrong? And do we have some good studies that, that show the, the efficacy of hypodontics? Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. And you see, and this is really interesting. So I know that NLP works. I know that hypnotherapy works, hypnodontics works. And the thing about these modalities is that each approach, when I work with a client, I work differently with each client because each client is an individual and they will be using different words, they will be responding different ways, and whilst they might be presenting with a similar situation, as an experienced therapist or coach, I will work with each person differently, which means that it does not lend itself to double-blind evidence-based trials. And therein lies the rub, that some people will say, well, there is no evidence. And no, there may be no evidence in the way we're used to as dentists, where we see studies where everything is replicated and there's maybe only one variable that's being measured at any one time. In a hypnodontic session, in an NLP session, there are too many variables to make it studyable and researchable. But the experience is that it works. I mean, I'm so glad I drew that, uh, I touched on that parallel between TMD and occlusal appliances uh, and how it's difficult to study that. And everything you're saying about hypnodontics is exactly the same as that department. Because uh, like you said, everyone's different. Um, it, with the whole field of TMD and the etiology of TMD, everyone, A, starts off with a unique malocclusion. Okay, so that whole link is difficult to explore. Everyone has different sleeping patterns, different hours they sleep, and that has a huge influence. Everyone has different levels of stress and different levels of perceived stress. Everyone has different anatomy and different degrees of hypermobility, and everyone has different coping strategies. That's why we can not ever produce high quality research. Uh, we would even need uh, sleep studies to do that. So I think um, it's very much the same in hypnotics that just like you said, it's in, in almost impossible to produce a high level of research when there is so much variability. I, I, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. And hypnosis and NLP is all about the words. And again, we do know that placebos and nocebos 
are significant. So even the language that we're using with our patients when we're fitting the appliances will determine the success or will influence the success of those things because we cannot not influence people. And I find this field so exciting because the words that we use, that when we get really precise about the words, we can influence and impact the outcomes of treatment in ways that we didn't think was possible. Our individual words are significant. And because we talk to each individual patient differently because they're an individual, that's just yet another variability that is built into that equation of splint therapy. That's fantastic. Let's go into the very tangible part of the episode now, where Jane, I would like you to speak. You have the open mic to dentists now, uh, and you've got thousands of dentists listening to you now, and we want to learn some ways that we can help our patients on Monday morning, right? So what are the most common scenarios that you think we can manage, and how can we incorporate hypnotherapy? Is it even reasonable for you to suggest some ways that we can help our patients from this episode? Is that crossing a line, or can you help us to... to help our patients. Okay, I, what I'd like to do is share three things with you. This is not hypnotherapy, but because it's not the process of induction and deepening. However, it is, they are things that influence a therapeutic scenario. And the most important thing when you're working with a therapist is the level of rapport that we build. Now, most of us have seen When Harry Met Sally, and there is a scene in When Harry Met Sally that is significant. It is not that scene, not the scene that everybody thinks about. It's just before that. It's when they go into the restaurant and they say, do you want the speaking or non-speaking side? And we think that's funny, but we all intuitively know which couples are getting on and which couples are not getting on. And the way we know is unconsciously we are looking for whether they are matching one another. So their body language, their language patterns, their whole way of being is similar or whether it's different. Because people like people like them. I'll say that again. People like people like them. And in this world of where people fear litigation, this is the one thing that we can really do that reduces that risk of litigation. And it's our role as the dentist to be the flexible one. And we become like them. We match them. We mirror them. So we do what Desmond Morris in his um, book, Man Watching, we develop what we call a body echo. And you will know, and if we, when we can get back into pubs on Monday, I invite people to actually look at other people and watch their body language. Those people that are getting on, just notice that they're crossing their legs in the same way, that they might be drinking at the same time. Notice where their eyes look, the forward, backwards, but most importantly, their breathing rates. When we get really deep rapport, we will breathe at the same rate as people. So 
that's something that I mean I could run a easily run a four-day training program on building rapport but as a first step that's something that I would invite the people that are listening to pay attention and notice how they can match their patients more so they become more like them and then we can pace and lead is that we spend enough time matching them that we can bring them to our into our world and this works so well for anxious patients because we know that anxious patients breathe from up here really fast and sometimes erratically Whereas calm, relaxed people breathe from really deep down in their belly, long and slow. So we can influence and bring patients out of anxiety by initially going towards and matching their way of breathing. Don't want to take it on full blown because you don't want to be having a, a panic attack. But pay attention. Match it. Match it. Match it. Match it as closely as possible. And then you test it and you change your breathing. I think I've um, accidentally discovered this before, Jane. I'm just making it uh, really tangible for the dentist listings because we're, uh, I, those of you who, who follow the podcast uh, and who are friends of mine know that sometimes I can be overly energetic. Uh, and when I have certain patients who are also very bubbly and energetic, we get on like a house on fire. But then when I have um, a patient who's a bit more maybe introvert or just a little bit quieter person who doesn't like all this extra energy and noise. Uh, and in the past, I have been told by patients, can you just slow down a second? Uh, and I can tell what they mean that I am just too much for them. And I, so I picked up on this a few years ago and I do make a conscious effort now. And I didn't know that what I was doing was what you're describing uh, and it, it, like, you know, mirroring them and whatnot. But when I do have someone who is just someone who talks slower and takes more, more, more time and, and not a thousand words a minute like me, I make a conscious effort to slow down with them. And that single thing that I, I change about myself to make sure that I can better appeal to all patient types has made a difference uh, in terms of getting along with all my patients. So I, I didn't know it was that that I was doing, but I, that might help to drive the point home for the dentist listening and watching. It is the fundamental um we've got four um pillars in nlp and rapport is the most important thing and it is our responsibility to match and be like the patient we step into the patient's world and when we've established that rapport then we can bring them into our world so if you with those patients that have got lower energy than you if you go to them first of all and take on their way of being and establish that rapport you will then be able to bring them back into your world and increase their level of energy and so that's rapport that's the first thing that I invite people to pay attention to and play around with because it's wonderful brilliant so number one is um, matching and mirror and be like the patient because people like people uh, who are like them so uh, that's a, a really good tangible tip what other thing that can we implement on monday morning to help our patients okay so the, the next things are to do with language so jazz i want you to think about something and in my head i'm very clear about an image that i want you to think about 
And whatever you think about, when as you're thinking about what I want you to think about, you, I absolutely don't want you to think about a green elephant playing tennis, okay? Don't think about a green elephant playing tennis. But I do want you to think about what I want you to think about. Uh, initially, I was thinking about being on the beach, but then suddenly on this beach appeared a, a green elephant playing tennis. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because our brains cannot process a don't. So when I tell you not to do something or don't do it, you have to imagine it before you don't do it. But you are, it is impossible. Don't worry. Don't worry. Actually tell somebody that they have to worry before they stop worrying. So, but you don't know, but you were unable to do what I, or think about what I wanted you to think about because I never actually told you what I did want you to think about. So what I did want you to think about, Jazz, was a purple rabbit on a trampoline. So by telling you not to think about a green elephant playing tennis, how likely were you ever to think about a purple rabbit on a trampoline? Impossible. So pay, again, I invite the listeners to pay attention to when they use words like worry or don't. Or it won't hurt is, is, is a common one that dentists would use. Absolutely. That's a green elephant playing tennis. This is going to be comfortable. Or I don't know what your um, technique is. Some people waggle the lips around when they're giving their local. And so tell them what they are going to feel. Direct their attention. You're going to feel me wiggling your lip. You're going to feel me squeezing your lip. So direct the patient's attention to what you do want them to focus on. So that again is another powerful and pay attention when we're talking to ourselves because that word comes in don't be such an idiot well actually what do we want for ourselves instead think clearly think slowly yeah pay attention exactly pay attention because when you start actually um, paying attention to this we will realize uh, as dentists that we make this mistake all the time and i would actually encourage you all to tell your nurse about this because they might might not know and they might also be saying to the patient don't worry you'll be okay don't worry you'll be okay while they're having in the middle of an extraction but once you educate your nurse and then maybe you nominate your nurse because they're the ones who are with you the whole time uh, with every patient you nominate your nurse to say if I, if you observe that I made this mistake after the appointment, can you tell me? And then slowly, hopefully, you can improve and improve and improve. And you can completely change the language to get rid of all these um, negatives. Because, like you said, we can't process these negatives. So I think that's a good that's a good way to implement it. Would you suggest, Jane? Depending what relationship you've got with your nurse, so it's useful to have an immediate um, reminder that you've made the mistake. So it's like when we're training a dog. We train the dog immediately. Praise um, immediately, criticism. So if you've got a great relationship with your nurse, she could just use her three-in-one syringe, just squirt some water on your trouser leg. I don't know what sort of fun you want to have underneath the chair. But there's ways that they can get you can get, have immediate feedback. And obviously... Praise is really important. Teamwork is really important. Engage the team and give that feedback when they've done it as well. Well done. Really notice that you're focusing on using the purple rabbit on the trampoline language. And if you've got kids, it will make a massive difference. 
Amazing. Then, Jane, how many more pearls do you have to give us? I'm hoping for, I'm hoping to get at least one more for you that we can go on Monday morning and implement, please. So one more is about um, how you can reduce post-operative complications and post-operative pain. Because we have to tell patients could be a possibility. So after an endo, there could be a possibility that they could have some discomfort that requires pain relief for maybe a week. But actually, we don't want the patient to experience it. So the language we use is things like other people sometimes experience, rather than saying you could possibly. Because when your patients know you, like you, and trust you, they want to, um, they want to please you, and they want to do what is the right thing. So the unconscious will often say, oh, well, okay, the dentist said you will experience some, or you could experience some pain. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do, so I will experience it. The unconscious is a curious thing, but that's not what we want them to do. So instead of using the word you and make it an identity level statement when we're talking about post-operative complications, possible post-operative complications, we talk about other people. A small number of other people sometimes experience. And it's best not to. You don't need to. So can you again see how with the language we're directing them away from, and yet we are still telling them. This is uh, this is amazing, Jane, because uh, the, the penny has really dropped for me here. Because as you were saying, I don't know if you saw my facial reactions, I was, I was really thinking back to how I communicate risk and post-operative uh, discomfort to my patients. And I thought I had a good way until you just uh, completely busted it now and, and stepped on it, which I'm, I'm grateful for. So my way of doing it was, like dry socket, for example, very common complication, very nasty complication. So uh, the way I say it to my patients to, to make sure, like for me, I, I want them that if it does happen to them, I don't want it to be a surprise for them because I want them to remember that I warned them. So what I do at the moment, which is not the best way after uh, you uh, teaching me now, is I say that if you were to get a dry socket, this is what you would feel. And you would feel this and this and this. And if you do feel this, you should call me because that's a dry socket and it's a very nasty thing. And when they have it, no one ever says, oh, you didn't warn me. It's like, oh, it happened just as you warned me. Which, for, yeah, it, it, it ticks the box of, they will remember that I warned them, but it's a horrible way to do it because just, just all the reasons you said, they internalize it. It's almost like that guy, classic hypnosis, they got that little uh, gold little watch as like, you are going to sleep. So I'm essentially uh, hypnotizing my patients to get a dry socket or something, right? So I think your way is amazing and I'm gonna uh, implement this straight away. So from now on, I'm gonna change my language to say to patients that what some people experience is a dry socket. And I would, yes, what some other people. So you really want to create this distance. And I will often use my hands that some other people may sometimes experience something that we call a dry socket. Doesn't happen very often. And I'm sure it's not going to happen for you. Because, and for those other people, this is what they could experience. And I'm sure for you, what you are going to have is a completely comfortable, quick healing. Because you're, and, it, and you can even lace it with some sort of evidence that they can 
connect it. Because your mouth is clean, because you brush your teeth twice a day, because you listen and take what I say seriously, I know, I'm fairly certain that for you, that where we've taken the tooth out today is going to heal quickly and perfectly. Other people, doesn't happen like that. And they may experience. And for them, what they need to do is ring me. Jane, I want to ask you, what about the, uh, do we need to be changing our post-operative written instructions? Because they are often written like, you may experience this, you may experience that. Do we need to change, and uh, all the practices we work in collectively, do we need to also think about what we present as written information, or does that not have as big of an effect? Absolutely. We need to stop making it an identity level statement that's at the identity of the patient. And also, one of my other things is, is health issues with NLP. And so if I said um, that somebody is a diabetic, that's an identity level statement. And it's fixed. The chances of moving beyond that once they've been told you they are a diabetic is difficult whereas if we were to say that currently you're showing the signs and symptoms of diabetes how does that change it it makes it not personal to you it almost dissociates you from it it is but it also creates that possibility that it can be changed because it's only currently, today, you've got the signs and symptoms. Could be different tomorrow, could be different next week. Whereas when it's an identity diagnosis you have, it's fixed. And that becomes somebody's way of being. And so, so I snuck in a three and a half there. Pay attention to how we're describing these things. <laughs> That's amazing, Jane. I think you've given us real good gems there to practice on Monday morning. My personal favorite was number three. Honestly, wow. I mean, some of those things that you said, number one and number two, number one, as a reminder, was uh, matching and mirroring. Uh, number two was, I'm trying to think what number two was now. But um, what was number two? Two again? was our, our green, um, green elephant playing tennis and our purple rabbit uh, on the yes. trampoline. Number two was, yes, using a language to so make sure you don't use those negatives. Stop saying don't worry. Uh, and number three was, wow, it's absolutely going to have a huge impact on my practice because uh, I felt like those number one and two, I do a little bit of uh, well already. But number three has been a complete game changer for me because I need to communicate complications completely a different way and thank you Jane for introducing that to us. Uh, and, I, and I'm really hoping that those listening right now will be able to go away and, and immediately on Monday morning, be implement these changes and even go to your post-operative um, Word document instructions, change the language on there and print it so you can make these actionable steps now. Don't wait till next week, do it now or allocate this task to a manager or someone, get it done now, which would be fantastic. Jane, it's been great to have you on. Thanks for sharing all this, but tell us if dentists want to, because um, I know you're, you're a coach, you're a hypnotherapist, uh, I know you're doing some uh, taster sessions uh, for, that you've opened up to the dental community. Tell us about how we can uh, get involved and what kind of people might benefit from that okay so firstly dentists who are stressed overworked or have got habits that they don't like they might be drinking too much biting their nails or all sorts of stuff they will benefit from hypnodontics hypnotherapy and 
I do a taster session, which does is hypnodontics right for you. You can go onto my website, use the book now button. Website is www.theinstituteofdentalbusiness.co.uk. Theinstituteofdentalbusiness.co.uk. Book a taster session. I won't be doing any therapy in that session. What I will do is a hypnotic induction and bring you back out so somebody can experience what it's like to be in that lovely, beautiful, altered state of deep relaxation. And everybody can be hypnotized. Some people need to learn the skill. There are people like me, I am so hypnotizable that um, I just go out immediately, really quickly. Other people need to learn how to do that and develop that skill, and that might take several sessions to teach them how to do it. But if somebody uses a book now session, it's one taster session, experience some hypnotherapy. And also for those dentists that may have patients that are anxious, that they don't want to keep doing IV sedation. Why do we want to keep ramming drugs into patients? Let's just deal with the underlying phobia, anxiety, so the patients never have to come back. So if they're interested in how hypnodontics can be used for their patients, either for them to learn themselves this skill or to work with people like me that will then work with their patients on a referral basis, yeah, just give me a ring and find out. So two, two things there, Jane. Uh, one is for everyone listening is that, wow, I mean, that if you are in a rough patch or you think based on this episode that hypnotherapy could help you, I think Jane is so trustworthy. Uh, you can hear her, her, her knowledge, her passion for this in, in great depth. So do reach out to Jane. If you want to experience this, I think that's such a, a great offering you have there. So, so thank you. And number two, uh, it was inevitable that I'm going to bring inclusion and Bruxham into this somehow, is that my patients who need additional help, so they have the occlusal appliance, they're having the physiotherapy, because that's what we need as part of conservative care, but they're still a little bit um, in an anxious state. Uh, I have been looking online, finding these people who are hypnotherapists, not necessarily dental, online to help them manage their anxieties. Um, now, what you're suggesting is I can be referring these patients, because I would prefer to refer them to a dentist like you, so I can there's a pathway there on your website for me to refer my patients to you. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And there are a number of dentists like me. There's another lady called Mandy Kent who is really developing into this field. She is also a dentist, a general dentist, that's got a passion for supporting her dental patients in the same way that I do. So there's a number of us out there that we understand what's going on for the patients in a way that a general hypnotherapist doesn't but they can learn if they want to embrace hypnodontics so in the hypnodontic community i would say it's probably about 75 percent hypnotherapists that have developed an interest in dentistry and the remaining 25 percent is it may even be 80 20 but there's far fewer dentists that have developed an interest in hypnotherapy than hypnotherapists that have developed an interest in dentistry and it's that blend it's that venn diagram in the middle that that's where hypnodontics is 
amazing. I, I look forward to implementing the, the three of those tips that you shared, if hypnotic, especially point number three. I love that. Uh, and also, yeah, I knew you were a coach. I knew you did the hypnotherapy for, for dentists and stuff. Uh, it's great that I now have a pathway in you. Uh, I'm not going to be saying to any general hypnotherapist, even though they might do a good job, I'm going to send them all to you now, Jane. So uh, that's going to be awesome. And for those of you who, who, who caught that, please do check out if you need some in a hypnotherapy for yourself you know you've got to look after yourself check out Jane on www.theinstituteofdentalbusiness was it .com or .co.uk I'll, I'll add it to my website .co.uk .co.uk and you'll recognise the the blue um, the blue hat, which has got the little toothbrush on it. That's me. Excellent, Jane. Thank you so much for coming on and giving up your time to, to share these really tangible tips and pearls for our community. I really appreciate it. And thank you for inviting me and sharing with dentists so that they have got a much wider perspective of what is possible because what we when we went to dental school, we were just given the tiny little insights. But then our career has the opportunity to open up and blossom. And that's what I love about dentistry is I think it is a really exciting career because we can be in charge like no other profession and take our careers into the realms of the things that interest us. It's lovely. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my passions with other dentists. Thank you for coming on and giving so much value. Well, there we have it. Hope you enjoyed that interference cast. Hopefully you can um, employ those tactics that Jane shared with us to your patients on Monday morning. So hoping you found this uh, quite applicable uh, as an episode. I try and make these, I try and ex extrapolate from the guests as much as I can to make it very, very tangible for you as a listener. So hit subscribe if you haven't already. Oh, and I emailed you guys recently. If you're not on my email list, go to protrusive.co.uk forward slash newsletter or, or click below in the description. I'll link it there uh, if you're not already. And those who got my email, I said, listen, if you've got any topic suggestions for future episodes, uh, please do um, email them back to me and I will consider it. And I've had such great suggestions. So thank you so much to the Petrusarati who've sent in some suggestions as I'm hoping to, to cover the topics that you'd like. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Have a fantastic day, whatever you're doing. And I'll catch you in the next episode.